0: The city of 100 hellos brooks alberta canada this is the global village podcast with ahmed Kasim.
1: hello everyone my name is hannah welcome to the global village podcast and before we start i would like to acknowledge the black history month and i would also like to read a little message from the province of alberta that says throughout february We recognize Black History Month, we remember and acknowledge the trailblazers who built their lives here and celebrate the vibrancy richness, and many achievements of the black community in this province. And today I'm here with Joseph. Hi, Joseph. Could you please introduce yourself?
0: Hi, uh, my name is Joseph Octavius, and I work for Grasslands Public Schools.
1: That's great. Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well,
0: uh, I would say I immigrated to Canada from Liberia in 2007 mm-hmm. as a refugee. And, uh, and my first you know point of destination in Canada was in Newfoundland. So I arrived in 2007 in Newfoundland, so while I was in Newfoundland, you know, I did some work at McDonald's, and after that, I decided to enroll into school, especially at Memorial University of Newfoundland. Yep. So while I was there, so since about a couple of months, three to four months into my studies, into my sem- my first semester in 2007, I dropped out of school. And the reason why I dropped out of school because, you know, I could not afford to pay my school fees because I was less than a year old in Canada to be qualified for student loans, okay. because the law says in order to be eligible for a student loan in Canada, you have to be one year old in Canada. Right. And during that time, I was barely six months old in Canada. So, and because of that reason, I had to drop my courses. You know, and then flew to Calgary, and then from Calgary, I came to Berks in two thousand and seven work at Lakeside, which is not JBS, I worked there for almost two years. Mm-hmm. And after working there for two years, in, from 2007 to 2009, so I quit in August 2009 to go back to Newfoundland to start my academic journey where I left off. Mm-hmm. So... In 2009, I started my, my bachelor's degree, you know, at Memorial University of Newfoundland from 2009 all the way to 2013. Okay. So I did my my bachelor's degree. My four years was actually done in three years because I was done in school consistently. I did not take a break. So I did not take winter break. I did not take summer break. I wow. was in school completely in school until the three years. You know, the four years program was completely reduced to three years. So I was yeah. able to graduate in uh, 2013. And after my bachelor's degree, I did a one year post certificate, you know, graduate, you know, yeah. studies in criminology. Mm-hmm. So that postgraduate certificate was in criminology for one year from so from twenty thirteen to twenty fourteen. I finished that in twenty fourteen in Newfoundland Addison University and after that I flew to Calgary in twenty fourteen and then came to Brooks. And when I came to Brooks in 2014, my first job in Brooks was, was at the BCIS, Brooks and County Immigration Services. So I worked there as a youth services coordinator. And part of my job was also in schools, especially in grassland public schools, mm-hmm. where I used to go and work with teachers and also with students, especially immigrant students from across town. And then uh, in 2017, I took a full-time you know job with uh, grassland public school. I left uh, BCIS. So I started with you know, grassland public school as counselor from cancer, and uh, uh-huh. I'm a cultural liaison for Grassland Public Schools in Brooks, and since 2014, I've been here.
1: Oh, that's great. So, yeah. right now, what's your career, and what do you do in the community?
0: I work as a Grassland, in a cultural liaison, and I was able to do that after my master's degree in 2018, because okay. I started my master's two years ago, I mean, 2017, mm-hmm. first. so it went around 2019. Yeah. I finished that master's program, and then, uh, and after that master's degree program, I became a cultural liaison for Grassland Public Schools. So, my job pretty much, you know, involves all of Grassland schools, especially the ones that are in the city of Brooks. Yeah. And to the extent that it's been so, you know, amazing and so effective, now my job has also been extended beyond the city's, you know, uh, limit uh-huh. to the extent that I have to go to some rural schools within Grassland, like the school in Dutchess, Tilly, and also
1: Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. What's one thing you love about your career?
0: Well, one, uh, there are a lot of things that I like about my career, to be honest. You know, one, you know, it's, it's very hard to say there's a specific thing that I yeah. like about it because I would say all aspects of my job, are, you know, are very much amazing. But if I should point out one thing, I would say, uh, even though it's hard to point out one thing, I would say I have an amazing and understanding, you know, uh, co-workers, cool you know, and administrators that I work with. Because each time I come up with a project, I come up with mm-hmm. a proposal, I come up with an opinion or an idea, they're always there to embrace it. They're always there to be supportive. They're always there to listen, which is very much amazing because if you are, you know, if you have a job at a specific institution and then you've not been listened to, your ideas have not been welcomed, your proposals have not been welcomed, yeah. you know, that is, a, that is a very simple explanation that mm-hmm. you as an individual, you're not welcomed at all because yeah. your ideas has not been welcomed. Mm-hmm. So every time you propose something, it's going to be swept under the carpet. But that's not the case for me. It's been very much amazing. It has been it's been very much you know effective to the extent that you know each time I come up with a new idea, it's always embraced. And that's something I would say is very important for me to boast of. And it's something that I will always say that you know is one thing that I can always be proud of at my workplace.
1: Right that's great. So going yeah. back to the school. Yeah. Um, What challenges do you see most immigrants face with their children regarding, you know, the Canadian law system is very different from back home where they come from?
0: Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of challenges, like you know, the parents, immigrant parents, actually are facing in Canada, not just in Brooks, But what I have been able to see mm-hmm. within Brooks, I can say, you know, it's applicable, or it's the same thing that is happening pretty much across the province of Alberta right. and in North America. Because I also travel to the U.S. pretty much all the time, mm-hmm. and I've seen that. I've been, you know, to the U.S. with friends and some of my relatives that live, that live that as well. So pretty much it's the same challenges. And when we first came to Canada to a new town, like a new city, like Bruce. And One of the things that we are not told, you know, very often from the onset is, you know, is the law. We are not explaining the law. This is how you interact with the law. And this is how you interact with the system. And this is how you live within the system. So these are things that are not explained to us. So when a lot of us immigrated to Canada, you know, having come to Canada, so we think whatever orientation, legal orientation we've had back home, whatever family orientation, whatever parenting orientation we've had over the years back home, that it is the same thing that we have to do here, that it is applicable here in Canada. So when we come here, having, you know, been completely oblivious to the system and to the law, a lot of us take the laws into our own hands. Right. You know, when it comes to parenting, I see a lot of parents having challenges with their kids, especially within the school system and the community. Because mm-hmm. there was kids kids, you know, I brought up here, a lot of kids, when they go to school, they want to interact with their friends. They want to okay. make sure they acculturate too fast. Mm-hmm. And as long as they continue to acculturate, parents, you know, try to actually pull them back. This is something I have been able to describe over the years, as the push and pull factor. Mm-hmm. So kids are trying to push forward push forward to you know to integrate, to settle down, to acculturate, to become part of mainstream Canadian culture. So while parents on the other hand are trying to pull them back. So you see kids are pushing forward, parents are pulling back. And as parents continue to pull back, kids can you know continue to push forward, it creates conflicts between parents and kids. And kids would be telling parents, oh, you don't understand what exactly I'm trying to do. Yeah, I'm trying to become part of mainstream Canadian society. I'm trying to accorture. I'm trying to be like my friends. I'm trying to do what my my friends are doing. And parents would say, no, you cannot accorture so fast you have to slow down. And when you look at that aspect of parents telling their kids to slow down, there are some legitimate concerns there. And some of those legitimate concerns are they fear if their kids are culturally too fast, they might lose their religion, they might lose their culture, they might lose their tradition, and they might lose family touch or family connection. So, because of that fear, they try to pull their kids back, to slow down, to say, "Hey, don't go too fast." Right. But for kids, they don't want to listen. They don't want to acculturate. They don't want to be part of mainstream Canadian society by acting and behaving like their friends. And and uh, in the process of that conflict erupts, and when conflict erupts, what we usually see is that some you know parents actually lay hands on their kids, uh-huh. you know, by slapping or beating, by being physical against, uh, or or violent against, you know, against their own kids, which sometimes you know, which sometimes unleashed or you know child abuse or you right. know violence within the family. And as a result of that, it you know, it tears some families apart. So I've seen a lot of families over the years that have been torn apart due to some of these you know misunderstandings and not being told is like not to expect how to live in Canada. And when I come across some of these parents, I ask them to say, hey I'm gonna to talk to my kid, I how I want, I'm gonna make sure, you know, I parent my child in the way in the best way possible according to my tradition. So I sometimes tell them, hey it's good to apply you know whatever cultural or traditional method you have, but it's, it has to be within the limits of the law in Canada. You don't live back home now. You live here in Canada. So whatever you do, you got to make sure it's within the limits of the law. Other than that, you might be in problem with the law. So part of my job is to talk to parents about that, Mm -hmm. to educate them, to inform them about the system, about the law, especially when it comes to parenting. Because when a child is in a conflict with parents, you know, that conflict is not only limited to the household, it also comes all the way to the borders of the school. It also affects the kids' academic performance, the kids' academic concentration, and even friendship within the school system, because it becomes very difficult for the child to form you know, any healthy relationship out there, because the child has been disturbed, the child is not to him or herself anymore, because of the conflict that is a result at home.
1: That's fantastic. So, you've lived in different communities. What are the challenges you've faced in Brooks that are different from other communities? Well,
0: I've lived in Newfoundland, you know, like I said, I was in Newfoundland for almost five years, yeah. you know, for my bachelor's degree and also for my postgraduate certificate in criminology before my master's in Brooks. So when I was in Newfoundland for over four years, the community there was very much welcoming, the community there was very much, you know, supportive. But mm-hmm. some of the challenges that I had there when I first landed in Newfoundland in 2007, when I realized that the the environment You know, it was too cold, the the province, because I live in the city of St. John. St. John was too cold for me because having been in Canada as a new immigrant, I was not accustomed to the weather. And to be able to acclimatize, you know, would take time in that part of Canada. So Newfoundland is very, very cold. So that was one you know, weather for me was one of the biggest challenges. And also, you know, going to school there as well. You know, going to school, you don't know a lot of people there and uh, you don't have too many friends in that part of town. Besides, it's remotely away from Canada, very far away from the rest of the country trip. Right. You feel completely disconnected. Yeah. Even if you have a break during school, you have winter I mean you have winter break or you have summer break, it becomes very difficult for you to go outside of Newfoundland to find work. For instance in Alberta, if you live in Alberta and you want to go out and you want to go to Saskatchewan matter to you can easily drive there. Yeah. But for Newfoundland it's very difficult. You know so during a summer break a lot of students did not afford you know to travel out of the province because it is very much expensive. Okay. It could cost over a thousand dollars from Newfoundland all the way to Alberta or anywhere in Canada. Very okay. Yeah,
1: that's right. So
0: for me, you know, that was one of the biggest challenges and as a result of that, I decided to stay there to say, you know what, instead of spending over a thousand bucks almost, you know, $1,500 to travel to my brother to come and do a summer job and then raise some money to go back to school. I said, I would rather stay there and continue, you know, uh, doing my studies until it was all over. So those were, you know, some challenges that I really faced. But other than that, the people of Newfoundland are very much friendly and very much welcome and supported. I keep moving on. That's
1: awesome. Yeah. You know this is the Black History Month. Yeah. what change can you? Suggest to the community to be able to accommodate.
0: So, what I, what I, you know, it's very important because, like you say, it's Black History Month, mm-hmm. and I take Black History Month very seriously. And the reason why I say that because it is a month that highlights Black excellence, right. Black achievement, you know, Black struggle, and Black success. So, and that's the reason why it's very important for me. So when I see that, when I see this money, you know, actually happening. So I definitely, you know, work with administrators. I work with the police. I work with students to see, hey, we have to make sure that this year's, you know, Black History Month, whatever activities we are trying to plan are better than last year's Black History Month activities. And it's all about bringing change, you know, to tell other people that this is what black people have been about. And this is what they're about now. And this is what they intended to do or they intend to achieve in the near future. And that is, you know, also a, a positive message because it gives the other side of the community or everybody in the community to see black people in a different light, to see black people in a positive, you know, with a positive mindset. Because oftentimes what we've seen in the media, in the news, has never been positive about black people. Right. And whatever negative piece of news that we see on a daily basis has been taken and generalized and applied to all black people. Mm-hmm. They would say, oh, this is this is what black people do. This is how black people behave. So it is that constant struggle. It is our constant struggle that we have to fight against pretty much all the time to say, hey, we have to work together to make sure we clarify things, we we clear all the misconceptions about about black people out there by making positive impact, especially during the month of black history, which is a huge opportunity, not just to plan activities and events, but also to educate Mm-hmm. Teachers, there are a lot of teachers that are not aware of that, the significance, the integrity of the Black History Month. So, we educate and inform teachers, administrators, and pretty much the entire school community about what this month is all about and why it is so important. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, we say, here, this is not going to be only limited to school. We want to make sure that it, the message is out there. We want to make sure we put a message on social media. We want to make sure the measures are carried out there so that people that, that live with, outside the school community will get to understand that, here, the Black History Month is not just being celebrated within the school community. It's also been felt outside okay. of school community mm-hmm. and that changes perspective about black people out there it showcases that black people are about something positive not just highlighting black people's struggle mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. black achievement black excellence and black success
1: oh well, that's nice yeah so you know brooks is a very diverse community yeah what is the value of having a diverse community
0: well, my idea of a diverse community, yeah. uh, Brooks is a very diverse community. If you look at the size of the population, look at the color of the population, mm-hmm. you know, I think in you know, a lot of people, you know, define diversity based on the color of the population of Brooks because there was so there a lot of immigrants in town yeah. now compared to before. So because of that, it was, it was a very diverse city. Of course, from that point of view, it could be seen as diverse. Yeah. You know, when you, when you look at the size of, I mean, the color of the population, so mm-hmm that's one aspect of it to define diversity when it comes to Brooks. But again, when you're labored in the city of Brooks and you begin to work in the city of Brooks, especially in schools and other places where I work, you know, you will see diversity as well when it comes to the color of the population. But again, when it comes to, you know, systemic and institutional issues, and that's where you, you don't see, you know, much sense of diversity. Mm-hmm. And that's where you don't see that the immigrant part of town is not, it's not very represented. You know, mm-hmm. so There are some institutional and systemic challenges there. But that's by these, you know, systemic and institutional challenges, we are, you know, trying to make some progress to be able to make some changes in the process by working in a considerable effort with administrators and all stakeholders within the city of Brooks, especially within the school system, to see how best we can actually adjust, you know, some of the school policy or the systemic, you know, rules that are put in place that have been some sort of a a blockade for the advancement of a lot of color students within the school system Mm -hmm. and see how best the school system can become very much conducive for pretty much for all students of all colors. And again, how that can also lead to academic excellence for all students across the board.
1: What advice can you give today's youth regarding starting their career? Well,
0: what advice I would give to youth pursuing career paths today would be uh, to be very patient. Right. You know, patience is the virtue of success. And again, not just being, you know, patient, but also to go to school. Because mm-hmm. oftentimes, in a, you know, many immigrants, when we immigrate to Canada or to Australia, to New Zealand or Australia, or the United States, you know, most of us, the first thing that comes to mind is money. Because mm-hmm. we want to work, we want to raise money, because we have family responsibilities. We have families, you know, back in Africa, wherever we have come from, wherever we have immigrated from to Canada. You know, we want to make sure we take care of them, we support them financially. That is true. That is one of the big factors. One big factor. But the fact of the matter still is we have to be able to go to school because if we go to school, we will be able to have a better career path to become educated, to have decent jobs and also, you know, uh, make some decent earnings or make some decent salaries. Mm -hmm. So, patience... Is one thing that I would tell, you know, the youth of today to actually, you know, continue to have or to exercise and also education to pursue education. Because you have, if you have vision and you pursue your school, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you can have a decent life in Canada.
1: That's great. Yeah. So, you know, dealing with all this, what gives you motivation to keep going forward?
0: Well, there are a lot of things that keep, you know, actually firing me up. A lot of things keep motivating me, to, you know, to keep moving, to keep doing whatever I do on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So a lot of things. So it's very hard to say this is one specific thing that is the, that is my fuel that is gassing me up pretty much all the time to fire it on. But I would say the satisfaction that I get from the job, you know, the satisfaction that I get from the job. And one of the things that I said earlier on, when, you know, my colleagues that I work with, the mm-hmm. school administrators that I work with, the bosses that I work with. You know, when I see something that is not right, something that is not, you know, good within the system, within the process, so I quickly spot it and bring it up. And once I bring it up, we sit in and discuss it. Mm-hmm. And when we discuss it, we harmonize it. We come up with strategies how to better address, the, you know, the, the situation. And that gives me joy. That gives me satisfaction because that tells me that not only I'm trying to change the system, but I'm also trying to change, you know, the minds of people by working in a collective effort with those that actually wants to see the system change to a larger stand. Mm-hmm. So when you see changes taking place at your workplace for the better, mm-hmm. that gives you joy, and that gives me joy. It keeps me moving. So as long as I see changes happening all the time, it gives me you know a huge motivation to say you know what. I'm going to keep doing whatever I do because as long as I keep pushing and keep changing things and making positive impact on the lives of students and also administrators and also on the school system itself, things will continue to change and I will continue to push forward and make some progress. And that keeps me going pretty much all the time as long as I see progress.
1: Great. So what is one piece of advice that you would tell your younger self that would be able to help the youth today?
0: Well, if I should tell my younger self one good piece of advice would be... um, you know, I wish the two years of not going to school. If I had, if I had had, you know, enough means to put myself through school, you know, mm-hmm. I would not have wished the two years that I did. And I would tell a lot of kids today, they don't have to worry about that because a lot of them, I've been in Canada for years, I tell them, you don't have to waste any more time. I wish the two years that I regret, but hey, I was not qualified for a student loan, but that was okay. It was none of my fault. But again, you know, if I had the means, you know, during that process, I would have never wasted those two years. So why are you wasting time right now mm-hmm. when you have every means at your disposal to go to school? Right. So I tell them, you don't have to work right now because your future depends on... An education. If you want to take a job at any fast food restaurant out there or in, in different places where you tell you might work and raise some money, it's fine. But again, just compare your future to whatever, you know, you're doing right now. What exactly, you know, do you want to pursue? Is it the job that you're doing out or you want to go to school, finish your high school and go to college or university and begin and, and have a decent career out there and begin earning some decent wages out there? So I tell them, you know, do not waste time because the more you waste time, the more dangerous it becomes because your desire for for school is, is going to continue to diminish. Mm-hmm. And as your desire for school continues to diminish, you know, you might not be able to pursue that academic path anymore. Right. Yeah. So I tell them, you know, time is very crucial and mm-hmm. do not waste time.
1: Well, that's very important. Yeah. So, for the last and fun question, what is yeah. your favorite song from your culture?
0: Well, my favorite, you know, cultural song, pretty much, you know, I, I usually listen to Bob Marley songs. Mm-hmm. All of Bob Marley songs, I like it, and you know, and one of my favorite songs with Bob Mali is uh, "Africa Unite," mm-hmm. right? So, "Africa Unite," you know, I like that very much, and you uh, know, and also. There's another song by Bob Malley called Zimbabwe. Yeah. And Zimbabwe, you know, and that song how I lost the independence struggle of Zimbabwe. And Bob Marley was invited in 1980 mm-hmm. to commemorate, you know, Zimbabwe, you know, Zimbabwe's independence day in 1980. So he was called by Reverend Mugabe, the former president of Zimbabwe. He was invited there and he, he created a song from the, for the independence day of Zimbabwe. Okay. So I like those songs that I actually, because these are the kind of songs that actually keep me moving. Right. Because they actually keep me thinking critically about systems in you know, so it could be an educational system, it could be a political system, it, it, it keep me thinking critically about these systems mm-hmm. and our best to to you know to change them somehow so mm-hmm. that it could work in everybody's favor.
1: Well, that's nice. We'll play yeah. the song at the end of the podcast. Yeah. And I would like to take this chance to thank you. Yeah. And I would also like to highlight that I really like your outfit. Sure. And if our thank audience you. wants to see it, they should check on Instagram at Global Village Center Brooks. Thank you. That would be really awesome. Thank, thank you, you for joining us today. No
0: problem. Thank you. My pleasure. This has been the Global Village Podcast with Ahmed Kasim. For more information, go to globalvillagecenter.ca.
2: ¡Suscríbete